Hello and welcome back to the Augmented Management Podcast. I'm joined today by Martin Cloak, CEO of Raven AI. Martin, you recently wrote an article on LinkedIn called Lean versus Digital, Why Industry 4.0's Identity Crisis is Costing Us So Much. Uh, tell me a little bit, tell me the story about uh, one of your first jobs out at the Blind Factory and why that was so important for you. Sure. So I, I uh, my background's in, in uh, engineering and high tech. Uh, graduated just as the tech bubble had burst and got recruited by a pretty cool uh, blind manufacturer called Blinds to Go. And uh, you know, with my background in high tech and uh, at McGill, my confidence level was very high that I'd be a big success at the, the shop floor. And uh, um, you know, it didn't take long for me to realize that uh, you know I, I uh, didn't quite have all the tools that I needed to be be as successful as I, as I, as I wanted to be. Uh, one of the first things that struck me, so after, after some time working as a quality engineer and manufacturing engineer, I was given a department um, to be a production supervisor and uh, with, with 13 people. Um, and I remember early on, you know, as, as I got this job, I, I, I was pretty excited about it. And the first, my first instinct was to get deep into the data to figure out what was happening. You know, this, is, this was uh, in my strike zone, process optimization, math, working long hours like i was super jazzed and uh, got to some point where i had an excel file that you know was ready i had all the graphs the colors were good and, and i went uh, into you know, meet with my plant manager to show him what i had done and and i remember his response to me was 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 pretty shocking um and and he said martin uh, i want you to go and learn the 200 names of the people in the plant and when you've done that then you can come back and show me your graph and, and uh so at the time this this response to, to my uh, was pretty frustrating. I had you know I, I'm not not a very patient guy, and but I listened. You know I was, I was early early on in my career, and and, and this guy had had influence, so I, I listened. And and pretty pretty soon after, you know I, I started replacing my Excel time by walking the shop floor. I realized you know what he was trying to do, because um, as I walked the shop floor, first off it was nice to 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 meet my uh, my employees. And, uh, but I'd see problems. So I'd see that a machine was not working properly or somebody would ask me a questions. Hey, hey, can you grab this from the warehouse? So, so basically I was this, this super tool for fixing things that my operators could deploy because I was just spending all my time walking around. So, uh, it was pretty clear that that's where I was providing the most value. So as I sort of got more comfortable in my role, I started to have a systematic way of spending my day. So I'd spend the first hour and a half walking and saying, uh, you know, good morning to all my employees. At some point I had 50 operators there uh, and, and said, thank you for coming in. Can I do anything for you? And I'd have my clipboard and I'd write it down. And then there was break. And then from break to lunch, I'd go and take care of stuff and get them done, get it done for them. After lunch, I'd do some of the reporting because at, at that time, everybody had to spend some time with data. And at the end of the day, I would repeat and thank people for coming in and ask them if I could do anything to help. So my... my uh, you know, my, my ability to impact uh, productivity with these methods was way, way better than that Excel file. Um, I think at some point he did humor me and let me show it to him. Um, but at that point I had realized the error in my ways. Um, but uh, so, you know, as, as you know, the recognition that, um, you know, we are most effective when we are on the shop floor engaging with our teams and solving problems was pretty clear to me. Uh, that being said, to a certain extent, I was ignoring the data, and 
you know, I was making up for the fact that I wasn't looking at data by zooming around the plant. But it could be that I was, you know, spending the, paying most attention to those who were, you know, the most vocal. And, and often some of the biggest opportunities to fix problems or even, you know, identify, you know, neat tricks are from people who are less vocal. So just imagine if I could benefit from all the data and actually not only spend all my time on the shop floor, but spend it with, you know, the optimal route, um, you know, being the most helpful to my team in the shop floor. So my experience there really showed me the core of what helps drive uh, performance in a manufacturing plant, which is really on the shop floor working with people. And uh, if that's working well, you know, if, if we can find ways to add technology that, that augments our ability uh, to do that, then that's the perfect, that's the perfect storm. Now, if you have to choose one or the other, without question, I would choose uh, supervisors on the shop floor without data rather than the other way around. Okay. And you recently wrote an article on LinkedIn called Lean versus Digital, Why Industry 4.0's Identity Crisis is Costing Us So Much. So we're, like, we're talking about the details of uh, your concept here, but what, what kind of spurred you to write this right now? So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier my uh, experience on the shop floor, how, you know, it was clear to my plant manager that where I should be spending my time as a leader and as an engineer and a manager is on the shop floor. And, you know, there's been a long history in manufacturing and lean, how you need to go to the shop floor and work with people. Um, what's happened as there's been more and more chatter about technology is the, the pressure for engineers and leaders to go to the shop floor is even less today than it's ever been. And there's so much excitement over analysis and the latest technology that we've almost forget, for, for, we've almost forgotten where uh, the value is. And uh, so this effectively, um, you know, we've gotten distracted from the goal. And one of the reasons why I, uh, I wanted to write this article was to sort of, and, and I was also asked by a, you know, a, a contact of mine to, and recommended that, he, that I write it um, uh, was to just you know bring back the basics, and the basics are leaders are most effective on the shop floor. Um, there's there's fundamentally no value in analysis. Analysis happens when uh, value happens when people take action to to improve. And I think we've lost sight of that. Uh, and that's not to say that technology that's been developed as part of you know uh, industry, the industry 4.0 movement isn't valuable. It's absolutely valuable. It can be an amazing tool that can do things that we could have never done, but we can't lose sight of the fact that our goal is and has always been to improve and not simply to digitize. And I think there's a big difference there. So in your article, you write about how lean manufacturing principles can help us figure out what went wrong. Um, and we talk about uh, identifying value. So what goods are customers willing to pay for? So how does lean manufacturing help us identify value? Well, if you start, so fundamental principles of lean start with what is the customer willing to pay you for? So if you're in the business of making sandwiches, they're paying for the sandwich. And then you think, and you think about what actually gets them the sandwich, or there's the person standing at the front counter, handing it to them, the person who's in the bread, slicing the bread, putting on the mustard, putting in the ham, uh, you know, so that, that, that is a value. So if you're watching that process to make that sandwich for that customer and you see stuff like that, they go off to, they walk across the room to pick up, you know, uh, 
you see, see the mustards all the way across the room and they have to walk all the way across the room to pick up that mustard. Well, that's a waste of time. Or they have to fill out a bunch of paperwork. You know, you have to you know, track everything by hand. Um, so as you, you, so the value stream is what are all the activities that build up you know, to the point where the customer gets that thing of value and they give you money. And, and often when you, when you work through that exercise of identifying what parts of the process deliver value and which ones don't, you see a whole bunch of waste. Uh, and this is something that manufacturers are, are very good at and we're used to. Um, often in other in- industries, when you do that exercise, uh, you find tons and tons of waste. And how is 4.0 sort of helping, or is it supposed to be helping that identify value stage? Well, so, so the, the, act, the act to identify value is something that doesn't necessarily need to be um, done with Industry 4.0. Um, you know, there's many great engineers who are able to, um, you know, map a process and figure out how, you know, how things are produced and figure out how to make it better. So what Industry 4.0 can do is to help us understand, you know, how well the value stream is functioning. So one of the, one of the core uh, components of Lean is to, uh, is to get flow. So you think of that value stream, you know, making those sandwiches, what are things that stop up that value stream? What are those things that stop, um, you know, uh, us from providing value to the customer? And, you know, when I was walking out on the shop floor early on in my career, I would see it. You know, I would see that somebody was standing waiting for material from the warehouse. So I would go and, and call the warehouse or run down or not run, walk quickly, walk quickly to the warehouse to get that material. So I, I, I was able to instrument that part of the process when I was standing there, but I wasn't able to do that when I wasn't standing there. So one of the benefits with Industry 4.0 is now it's extremely cost effective to instrument a process, to give somebody the ability to push a button, uh, to to get somebody to help them from the warehouse, or even have it where it's automatically detected that uh, they need support. So the idea, you know, if in an ideal world, if every single operator had their supervisor standing right next to them, um, ready to help with whatever happened in their process, you wouldn't need technology. Now the challenge is that they don't have that. They have one fiftieth of me uh, when I'm at the plant. And for plants that run 24-7, you know, they have maybe even less support. Yeah. Uh, you talk about, in your article, you talked about emphasis on data and not people has in, has disengaged the shop floor. So when you're trying to strike a balance between people and using technology to uh, improve results, how do you find that balance? So I think one of the challenges with Industry 4.0 is, is in how data is viewed. So when you think about, you know, if you think about, Industry 4.0 as, you know, how do we digitize the shop floor? Then you can view operators as a source of data. And if you view operators as a source of data, then they're only there to provide you with data. So then imagine that you install technology so they can just tell you what's happening. And operators are busy. And what Lean has taught them is you avoid things that don't provide value. And one thing that's clearly does not provide value is them, you know, clicking a drop down or, or pushing a button or walking over to a thing. So that doesn't provide value. So it's almost, if you've told operators for decades that they, they should be looking to, for ways to avoid you know, waste, and then you're introducing this new system that is by definition wasting their time, um, it's confusing and demotivating. And that, that's if these initiatives are centered around uh, digitization. 
Now, if the initiatives are centered around improvement, then it, it, and if it's clear to the operator that their contribution to the system, their their contribution by um, tagging something or or uh, triggering an alert, is that it is driving improvement and applying you know pressure to the rest of the organization, then it's more motivating. And one of the challenges is that you know the way that we have frame data to operators and, and presented it as the, the goal is to collect data um, is not the right frame. The goal is to improve and, and technology has the ability to, to help us be way more effective in the actions we take. Um, but that's not the way that many of these projects are, are framed. So do you find that in the manufacturing field that uh, or industry that people get really wrapped up for a time on sort of like the tool, like the flavor of the year or whatever, as opposed to focusing on the end result? Absolutely. And, you know, some new brand new technology is, is extremely neat to look at. Um, you, know, you can imagine the first time you installed a giant dashboard, you know, on, on the shop floor. Actually, it was neat. One, one time I visited uh, Shopify's uh, office down in, uh, in Waterloo. And, and on the, uh, in the in the main atrium, it is giant screen. I'm thinking maybe forty foot wide by you know twenty foot tall, and it has a map of the globe, and it's showing these little transactions that are happening, you know, from from one part of the globe to the other part of the globe. And like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, so technology can look really cool, um, but that didn't really get me to do anything. That that was entertaining me, and and that and the purpose wasn't to drive action. So on the shop floor. Um, we often get distracted by how neat the tool looks and we don't think about whether or not it actually has uh, an impact on our behavior. And, and that's, that's the bar we should be looking at. If we are distracting somebody with a light, a graph, um, you know, some sort of you know, flashing screen, it has to be to guide them to take action that, that will result in improving. So if a screen flashes because you're behind on your production, um, and you can't do anything about it, that, that's not providing any value. The screen flashes because you're needed right now uh, in a certain spot. And, and if you do that, you'll actually save a whole bunch of time. That is useful. So I think the measure is if, if you look at a display and if your instinct isn't to stand up right away and go do something, uh, it's likely you didn't need to look at that. And I think that's the key that uh, you know, when deploying technology on the top floor, if things are fine, Stay out of the way. And that's a key here. Um, in the same way, GPS in your car isn't constantly you know, alerting you, buzzing you. And it, it, it tells you when to turn left. Um, you know, that's the same way we should, we should be looking at technology in the shop floor. Do you have an example of a manufacturer you've seen really making that connection work, that connection between technology and operators and keeping it still in that lean model, not getting in the way? Absolutely. I, one of the things to do early on uh, for customers in their in their uh, digital journey is to look for easy wins. Uh, and there's no shame in looking for the easiest ways to save. So often, what happens when manufacturers are you know look at their clean data for the first time, the types of things that are holding them back are pretty simple and actually you know mundane. So so for example, if uh, you know, you have machinery that's breaking down a lot, and and say 
Uh, it seems like you're losing you know, two hours a day on each machine because of machine breakage. Um, when a machine breaks, there's actually three different things that happens. So first, the machine breaks and uh, the operator has to wait for maintenance to arrive. Then maintenance fixes the machine and then um, they need to wait for the operator to come back to start the process. So there's three separate segments of time. And once you understand those three segments, you can see um, you know, which area is, is, you know, requires the most support. So we had a, a, a client in California that when they looked at that data, they saw that their biggest issue was response time for maintenance. So, um, you know, one way to, one way to um, support them is to make sure that, uh, you know, the alerts or uh, ways that we draw their attention are specifically around that particular item. It, you know, improving response time for maintenance is, is a known issue, but, you know, we as humans aren't great at doing two things at the same time. So if for a couple of weeks um, you focus exclusively on waiting for maintenance, um, you'll actually get some traction. And one of the things with, with all types of um, initiatives and projects, early traction is, is so key to get people engaged. So if, if waiting for maintenance is an issue, relatively you know, simple things can be done. You can set up an alerting system to get maintenance to come. You can have daily reports that describe how well, how responsive maintenance is being, you know, what, what this client did ultimately was work and rejig their schedule so they could actually uh, have the right number of maintenance people on at each time. But they also set it up so that they were all aware of this particular metric and their performance. Um, but if you were to look, go to the shop floor, you're not going to see, um, you know, uh, data being pushed about all the different things they could be working on. So, even though technology is able to take in a whole bunch of data, uh, we're not. You know, we're actually, our, our, our brains are pretty much the same as they were 20 years ago, 50 years ago. We can take in very little amounts of, of, of information. That being said, if we're put in front of a problem, we're really good at solving those problems. So if technology wants to be helpful, point us in the direction of the most important problem then get out of our way so that we can fix it. As an as a engineer, who has a real appreciation for data, but who has a uh, very strong philosophy around the importance of people in, in manufacturing. What's your biggest frustration these days? I, I think my biggest frustration is that everybody seems to be going down the same path. And, and it, everybody has their brains wrapped around the fact that Industry 4.0 is this massive thing that they need to invest and have committees and and. and and it's super frustrating that people don't realize that it doesn't need to start massively. And, and I think my, my personal approach is to start slow and accelerate fast. And, and that's like, as you know, that's how we work best. You know, once you, once you get one, one, one concept layering on the next concept is fine. You know, we don't do, it's not, we don't do very well when we're just inundated with tons of information at once. It's overwhelming. And, and if the goal is to, engage, um, there's no way you, you, you launch these projects in, in, in massive first. You know, I, I think in sales, there's the concept of starting with the, the small edge of the wedge. So you think you're trying to wedge under something, you sort of you get in there. And, and I think with Industry 4.0, people are trying to launch projects with the thick end of the wedge. And, you know, maybe that'll work technologi you know, on the technology side. Maybe if you have a, you know, a tons of cash and, and like 
a huge number of resources. But on the on the change management side, if you try to you know start without making it incremental, um, it's just not going to work. And that's not that's not to say that it can't go fast, but I, I, people just don't see that you can start small and accelerate fast. And and that's something that we see. You know, I see time and time again that people are amazed how you know within the first few days of you know implementing a industry 4.0 initiative and, and that being said we don't you know i think one of the things is just don't call it industry 4.0 like we're, we're trying to improve and we're trying to do it in a way where we remove you know remove some of the, the data burden uh and it's just so obvious and i think you know when you get it right um operators want to improve as well and um when you get digitization right operators will be asking for more and that's the thing that, that I think people don't see, that nobody wants to be inefficient, but they also don't want to waste their times. So I, I would say that we are, if we spent more of our time listening to operators and really understanding their jobs and understanding you know, what's slowing them down and then figuring out how to apply you know, modern technology to, to make it easier on them, that frame would make things go way, way faster. And, but, but I just see time and time again, things are done kind of technology first, people second, and that just doesn't work. Okay, Martin, thank you so much for joining us today. Would you uh, just wrap up, tell us where we can learn more about Raven? Yeah, so you can learn more about Raven at raven.ai, or you can check out our LinkedIn page, or you can send me a message on LinkedIn, and I'll respond for sure. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you.